0: Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash Area 10 Church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, onto this week's message. The sign has faded, the colors bleeding. But I know what it says. Mac reads its words aloud one day. Come to the exit eight Big Top Ball in video arcade, home of the one and only Ivan, mighty Silverback. Sadly I cannot read, although I wish I could. Reading stories would make a fine way to fill up my empty hours. And once, however, I was able to enjoy a book left in my domain by one of my keepers. It tasted like termites. The freeway billboard has a drawing of Mac in his clown clothes and Stella on her hind legs and an angry animal with fierce eyes and unkempt hair. That animal is supposed to be me, but the artist made a mistake. I am never angry. Anger is precious. A silverback uses anger to maintain order and warn his troops of danger. When my father beats his chest, it was to say, beware, listen, I am in charge. I am angry to protect you because that is what I was born to do. Here in my domain, there is no one to protect. Ivan uh, is a captive uh, silverback who has trouble displaying the typical traits of his species. Now, in, in the wild, silverbacks are mature males with a silver patch of fur on their backs. They protect and teach their family using anger as a defense when necessary. Uh, The the problem, he does not have anyone to defend, and he needs to learn what it means to be a silverback in captivity. I I love this book. I I had the opportunity to share uh, this book with my family, my two boys, reading to them uh, about this story about a silverback gorilla out of place. And we're in the middle of a sermon series uh, about cages and how the how the world puts us, you, and me in, in, in a cage to, to operate and giving us a sense of purpose. But when we really find out and when we really, really dig into what is purpose and what is the meaning of life and what is my uh Life's purpose, we find out that it doesn't line up to someone else. And that is supposed to be lining up to God. Uh, We are we're really meant for more. And we're meant for so much more. So here's the here's the here's the bottom line for today. When we leave, when we live for God's glory. We will always do our purpose well. It reads this in Psalm 57, verse 2. It says this, I cry out to God, most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Uh, But like I said, there's this dilemma. There's this, like, problem for us. Uh, A few years ago, uh, I was in between ministries, uh, and I knew I was at a place. I just left my ministry uh, there in Tampa because I needed to hold up and heal up. And, and that's how I said it. But I knew, uh, I knew it was only going to be a year. I knew it was just only going to be a year, but it turned out to be four years of this wandering, trying to figure out what God was going to do uh, in my life. And I, I wouldn't say that I was losing purpose, but I was just struggling. And I know that without a doubt that, that there's people in here today that are still struggling to figure out uh, what does God want me to do? What, what is my purpose uh, in life? Uh, what, what is God's will? And as the years went by, and like I said, it was over four years that I was kind of just sitting in church, listening to uh, the pastor, uh, listening to the teacher, wondering, okay, uh, is he going to give me hope today? And I was off the mark, because that's what I was thinking. Are you going to give me hope? But it was really, I wanted God. To give me hope. In your twenties, uh, you, you are a- ambitious. Uh, you're eager. You're filled with opinions. Uh, and for myself, I wanted to be correct. I always wanted to be right. Now, as I as I moved in my thirties, uh, I, I was trying to figure out life. And hopefully, I, you know, you might have someone uh, with you doing life together. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you, you have those little ones in tow. And then when you entered your 40s, uh, the great pivot happens. And I remember uh, a particular episode uh, with friends, with Ross and Chandler. They, they, they have this couch and they're moving it up the the, the staircase. I I, I think you remember this. You remember this. And and Ross says, pivot, pivot. And they're trying to pivot because they're moving this ginormous, huge couch up the stairs. And Ross is yelling, pivot. That's the 40s in my head. Uh, really, seriously, I, you're thinking that you have everything t- together and all of a sudden things kind of change. You physically are changing. Mentally, you, you, you hope that you're growing, but physically, not so much, right? And you're hearing the words, I mean, I, I need to change. I need to pivot. I'm not in my 50s yet. I, it's, it's coming, though. It's coming. It, it, it's, it's in a couple months for me. And I th- am thinking that hey, once I hit fifty, maybe maybe I'm gonna have it all figured out. But there's another side to that too, and it's a greater pivot that happens in your fifties. That's what I've been told. Uh, I have a particular chart for you. This chart just shares uh, the, the the understanding of Americans and their viewpoint of. Of purpose. Some are saying, how can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? And at least monthly, with more than one in five saying, they consider the question daily at like 21% or weekly, that they're figuring out the meaning of life. Few will say they think about it yearly. That's 6%. Close to one in four will say they never wonder about finding more meaning and purpose. That's 23%. And then there's another 15% that are not sure. They have no idea. So what obstacles do we face? And I'm going to give you two of them. Uh, We constantly are bombarded with the unwelcome advice on how to live our lives, which can be pretty unsettling. So how to illustrate this is that when you start to scroll through Facebook, when you start to scroll through Instagram, it gives you this uh, this falsehood of people's lives making sense, uh, having purpose in their life. Uh, I, and we are bombarded by that. Pictures of crazy, Good vacations. I mean, we're coming up to the point that summer is coming, and a lot of us are planning for that maybe dream vacation, or maybe that vacation, uh, or whatever that vacation is, and we would love to showcase that to social media. Or maybe you're sitting tight at staycation, because that is a, you know, that happens too. And I've been there. I've been there with staycation. And I remember staycations, a number of them. And here I am scrolling through Facebook going, oh, wow, they went to Hawaii. Oh, wow, they went to Disney. Oh, wow, they went there. Oh, wow, they went there. And then you have this sense of, wow, I wish I was there. Or maybe it's pictures of, of children behaving, right? The, the, the Christmas card. Have you, you remember the Christmas cards that you get sometimes from other families and relatives and friends? And they have this picture of the anointing family. And it's precious. It's beautiful. It's like, wow, they're happy. And all of a sudden, in your head... You start to spin. Have you noticed that sometimes? You start spinning around, around, around it goes. Where it stops, no one knows. And we find ourselves in that unsettling moment. Number two, living up to distorted expectations of fulfilling life will undoubtedly result in feelings of despair. And really, to be honest, we, we, we need a better definition. We, we strive for success. We strive for good health. We strive for com, uh, comfortable living, being uh, like the number one salesperson, maintaining that 61% profit margin, or being the greatest mom in the world, or the greatest dad in the world, the greatest business owner in the world. No matter what, we're striving and gaining and striving and gaining, and it goes sometimes nowhere and we lose ourselves because we have the wrong target. And since we all live in the western culture, we might have picture financial security, thrilling tri- uh, tra- uh, travel and comfortable home containing a healthy balance wholesome family, and then there's nothing wrong with that target, but I'm here to say that there's a better target. There's a better target. But as we reflect on our lives sometimes, we find it that it's not really exciting, and we want to have that exciting life. And you're coming to terms with that you are just playing Vanilla. And maybe someone out there likes vanilla, but you know what? With vanilla, you can add things to it, right? Little sprinkles, little cherry on top to make it better. And and what really happens is it creates tension. And sometimes a bit of tension can do some good, right? However, it's important not to be too tense all the time. And taking action is essential when facing tension, and it requires a shift. It, it requires that pivot change. So there's top 10 books. Uh, when you Google or when you're on the New York Times list, and, when you start to Google maybe purpose, the average number of copies sold for each book of the top 10 that you see will be well over 2 million copies sold for uh, books on purpose. And the largest one on the New York uh, Times list is 3.5 million. Living a life of purpose is a big deal. And it's a big deal for many of us, if not all of us. And here's the truth, and it's free. It says this in Isaiah chapter 43, 6 it says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth and everyone who is called by name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. It says here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created in his own image the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them every day. Every day has a spiritual significance as God communicates his intentions for us. So I'm going to give you like three points here, three, uh, a three-step guide that will help you live for God's glory, he, and achieve his purpose. And it's very, very simple. Number one is this, join in the mission of Jesus. Join in the mission of Jesus. The, the, the Bible is filled with, with great and mighty stories of how Jesus came, died, and rose again. Stories of healing, stories of confrontation, stories of dialogue. Jesus giving a sight to the blind, giving strong legs for the lame, talking to people who were unspoken for, who were outcasts, stories that are filled with just miraculous ways of Jesus. And one of the things, and if this is really, really new to you, and that you're exploring Jesus and you want to know more about Jesus, my encouragement for you is to start with the book of John. The book of John describes several miraculous events that defy reason, both physical and spiritual. And Jesus faced opposition and hatred, but never gave in to the chaos. He spoke up for kindness and generosity and love, seeking an example, setting an example for others. And he remained devoted to his mission to redeem and restore what was broken. In John chapter 4, there's this just great Just story about Jesus having a dialogue with a woman that was uh, not welcomed in her town. She was an outcast. In fact, when you read the scripture in John chapter 4, you get a little glimpse of how she is and why she was going to the well in the middle of the day rather than the, the early on in the day. In fact, she belonged to a town of people that was, well, on the wrong side of the tracks. No good person would ever enter this part of Israel because they consider it bad news. But Jesus, he entered this town. He went into this region to share about Reconciliation see Jesus always used you know um, illustrations he always used uh, everyday situations to bring it back to himself. He always brought in healing he always brought in restoration he always brought in hope he always brought in life and I want to say when you when you start to read about Jesus when you start to follow Jesus and be on mission. You you are just like, wow, that that, that that's exciting. And I want to do that. I want to I, I want to be a part of that mission. I, I want to be a part of that story. I want to be a part of what he's doing so that I can do what he's being what's being done for him. It reads this. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One of the things about me uh, is that you already know that I'm planning a a church. God is planning a church uh, in Ashland. And we moved... Uh, from St. Petersburg, Florida. And one of the just, just fascinating, exciting things that I get to do is meet people. There's this little restaurant on the tracks because Ashland is a train town. This restaurant is called Trackside. And I was meeting with uh, a, the Hanover Foster Care uh, uh, Director there at Trackside. And as we were going over uh, a couple ideas uh, for the uh, town of Ashland and what local would, would like to bring or what local would like to partner up with this organization, uh, the server came up to take our order. And one of the things that I would love to do, what I love to do, is just share who I am and what I'm doing. And as I'm sharing... Uh, we're praying over the meal. We're praying over the meal. And we find out that, hey, hey, what could I pray for you about? And she's like, okay, well, why don't you pray for my dad? Because my dad is going through surgery. So, I said, hey, listen, uh, may I pray for you right now? And she's like, yes, pray for me right now. So, as I'm you know, conversing with her and also with the director of Hanover Foster Care, I began with my prayer. You know what she did? Immediately she grabs my hand and his hand. And here we are in the middle of the restaurant having a prayer meeting. And I find that so fascinating because this girl who hasn't been to church in forever decides to invite Jesus there in the conversation to have prayer. God wants to use you. Jesus will present you with opportunities to bring glory to him. Number two. Number two is this. Discover your talents and abilities and spiritual gifts. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Each of us has unique talents and passions given by God. And these gifts help us to live in alignment with his purpose. Seek God's guidance to discover yours. And what's really, really good about this next point is that last week, you had the opportunity. And there's always going to be an opportunity. So my encouragement, if you're still trying to figure out what's my talent, what's my passion, God has gifted me to do ministry, to do his work, do his kingdom work. Find out more information in the next steps table after our time together. Many Christians think, and this is, uh, uh, this is important, many Christians think that obeying God's will is boring and does not bring joy, which makes them struggle to choose between their happiness and obedience. However, it's crucial to understand that this belief is not true. God wants to use you to discover your spiritual gifts. Start with one, because I just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a list of spiritual gifts coupled with your talents and also your abilities. I mean, ask the Holy Spirit, ask Jesus to show you the gift. And and as you explore these uh, biblical list of gifts, pursue the gift that the Holy Spirit is directing you towards. And then you're going to start to notice improvements. You're going to start to develop that particular gift that God has given you. And over time, you may find your initial fears uh, about, you know, your uh, the particular ministry to uh, to subside, and there's a growing sense of skill being developed in your life, just like when you first discover the talent. I mean, ask friends. Ask friends to identify your gifts. They may see strength in you that you have not recognized before. Christians value close relationships. Christians value community. And we're here together finding out God's plan. Like I said, I... I, Church is being planted. Local Christian church is being planted uh, in Ashland. And one of the greatest opportunities that we have right now is our launch team, uh, a, a gathering of uh, people that are doing something really, really crazy, like starting a church. And we're gathering and we're talking about giftedness. We're talking about God's plan for us. We're talking about his will for us. Uh, what God wants to do in us and through us and for the kingdom. And one of the th- exciting things is finding out how God wired us up individually, but also as a community. And we're finding out where God is already at. It's not like Jesus was... Jesus was brought into Ashland because of me or my family. Jesus is already in Ashland. Jesus is already there, and he's moving in great ways. We're just there to partner up. We're there to see where he's working and help him enhance it through us. Number three, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit is essential. Our greatest helper, our greatest helper and guide is the Holy Spirit. He intervenes on our behalf and teaches us how to live following his will. It says here, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. When you are identifying your purpose, you must remind yourself to let go of control and what plans you have for your own life. You surrender fully to the Holy Spirit as he leads you. One of the the opportunities that I always have is just meeting people. About 10 years ago, I... my family, we were in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and we were planting another church. Uh, back then, I was younger. Uh, I loved to run, and I used my running to go around the town praying over possible, like, locations, praying over the schools, praying over the people that I met. And I remember uh, meeting the crossing guard, and I, I, I would stop there at, at, at the local school to ask her, hey, what can I pray for you about? And sometimes she was reluctant, and other times she was, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what you can pray for. And I would pray for her. And I did this a, a number of times throughout the town. I, and I I earned the, the reputation of that praying guy that ran, which was somewhat weird for people, especially those who do not know anything about, you know, church and about Christians and such. A couple weeks later, uh, Bethany and I and our boys, uh, they were really, really young at the time. Uh, We were going to go out for dinner. But I just remembered, you know what? I don't know what it was. I do now contribute to the Holy Spirit's leading because God was up to something. And I remember, okay, you know, Bethany, we're we're just not going to go out. We're just not going to go out. And we're going to stay home. As we were eating dinner, uh, we had a knock at the door. And I was like, who's that? So I immediately go over to the door. I open up the door, and it it was a lady that desperately needed prayer. And she said to me, you're you're the guy that's running around town, and you pray for people. And I need prayer. I need prayer right now. And I remember talking to her, Bethany and I talking to her, and then we prayed for her. Now, she didn't have a relationship with Jesus. She didn't know hardly anything about Jesus. She was suffering from terminal cancer at the time. And she was in need. And here we are, sharing Jesus, giving her hope, praying for healing, praying for restoration, praying for peace, praying that Jesus will just engulf her with his love. As we come down to a conclusion, God wants to use you of where you're at right now. And God wants you to remain focused, and God wants you to keep your eyes on the prize. It says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. And as the band uh, gets ready for our time of conclusion here, I want to read it to you. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I am off and running, and I'm not turning back. Keep your eyes on the prize, and that prize is Jesus. That prize is his will for you, his plan for you. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of distractions. There's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be some pivoting. There's going to be some change. There's going to be... Whatever the case is, keep your eyes on the prize. Sometimes what keeps us from living in alignment is the busyness we distract ourselves with. We feel like we must be doing anything, even if it brings us no satisfaction. Eliminating all the stuff, all the distractions can create space uh, Create that moment where God takes you, takes a church, takes a people, and allowing them to recognize his plan, his vision, his mission. And it enables us to honor him because he's leading the way. He's doing what he does best to reconcile a broken world, to reconcile a broken people, And here we are honoring God. God's plans, God's plans are so much better than your plans. God has something in store for you. And maybe you're reflecting on, on your life right now and it's like, it's pretty boring. But God does the best work in the ordinary parts of life. He will take you and transform everything. He will take you from the bottom and take you to the top. He will do whatever's necessary to get you in the right place. He will bring healing. He will bring hope. He will bring peace. He will bring it all to you. And I know that some of us were broken. Life is messy, life is hard, but there's purpose. There's purpose in the one who has the plan for you. He has the purpose and the plan for this church. He has a purpose and a plan for this community. And he's going to take you And this church To do something powerful To do something powerful God's plans are so much better Than your plans Father God We come down to the point Of where we are done Wrestling with you We take our purpose We take our plans We take What we think Is the plan And we offer it up to you To change it. To change it, Lord. And as we see what you are already doing in us, in our families, in our community, we want more of you and less of ourselves. And God, we want you. Jesus, we want you. We want you to move us in such a way that the world will see not us, but you. Our neighbor will see you. Our co-workers will see you. Our family members will see you. Our neighbors, our friends will see you. So, Lord God, it's an honor to be with you. Change us, mold us, give us purpose. We are a people on mission, and may we be sent. Amen.